0: Get eighty percent off your impression kit when you use code Wondery at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte.
1: Love,
2: Good afternoon. Radio. Good afternoon and welcome to the latest edition of the Hoosier Huddle Podcast. Uh today we are previewing the twenty sixteen NFL Combine that is coming up on Friday. Four Hoosiers have been invited, Darius Latham. Nate Sudfeld, Jason Spriggs, and Jordan Howard. Uh, It's the most that the Hoosiers have had invited in a long time, uh, if ever. So uh, we're going to bring in Dan Moglione from um, uh, allmediany.com as well as uh, nfldraftbible.com to break it down uh, with us. Uh, Dan, how are you today?
1: I'm doing pretty good, Sammy. How's it going?
2: it's it's going pretty well. Uh, I was down in Louisville last night, uh, watching the boss. Um spring ball is right around the corner. Uh draft season uh is here, so uh, everything's going great. Um so Dan, let's start off. Uh Combine's coming up on, on Friday. Um who in out of the IU players intrigues you the most?
1: So we're gonna we're gonna talk about some guys that were ready ready born to run? Is that what you're saying? Yeah. Uh, who intrigues me the most? That's an interesting question because, I mean, I think you can make a case for all four of these guys in terms of um, who's who's the most intriguing guy. Um, I, I'm going to start with the guy that's maybe rated by some as the, the, the fourth out of the four, and that's uh, the di- defensive lineman Darius Latham in terms of a guy who's intriguing because I, I think out of the four IU prospects there in Indianapolis and the four guys that have a chance to be drafted, He's probably got the biggest gap in terms of who he was as a college player and who he potentially can be as an NFL player. You know, as I'm sure a lot of your listeners know, this is one of the most highly touted prospects, you know, for IU to get in recent memory. And, you know, while he had a pretty decent junior season, he really didn't light it up as a collegian. You know, he wasn't a big-time, you know, first- or second-team, all-Big Ten performer type of player as many people have projected. And who knows, maybe he could have had that senior year had he come back next year, but by declaring, you know, I think he's really an interesting guy. He's got a lot of talent. You know, I've, you know, some scouts believe he may even have day two talent. And you know, when I say day two, I mean second, third round. But his production really wasn't there. You know, his production is of a player who's borderline draftable.
2: Yeah, and you're right. When when Latham declared, I was kind of surprised. I thought he would benefit the most. Um, uh, from coming back for a senior season, become that dominant lineman that, uh, you know, he was expected to be coming out of high school. He has a terrific size athleticism. You saw him, uh, make a, a an inter- unbelievable interception in the pinstripe bowl against Duke. Uh, and he's made some great plays in spring games, uh, and he showed flashes, but you know, I, I thought he, uh, would have benefited greatly, uh, coming back for his senior year. Now, I, it's not my place to tell kids if it's, it's it's a mistake or not. Look, if your dream is playing the NFL, go chase it. Um Dan, uh moving on, uh to one of the guys who's a potential first round talent, Jason Spriggs, um, the uh offensive tackle. Uh, he was very impressive this year. He was very impressive last year. He led a line uh that had two all Americans, including himself on it. Uh, they they paved the way for two 1,000 yard rushers. Uh, tell us uh, wh- where you think Jason Spriggs will land and, and what you like about him.
1: Uh, I think he's most he's probably going to be the first IU guy off the board, I guess. And I'm leaning towards him being a you know high to mid second round type of guy. So probably somewhere between like 30 and 45, 50 in that range. Um, you know potentially he could sneak into the first round. If if he does really well uh, this week in Indianapolis, um, what I like about him is you know his, his athleticism. He's a phenomenal athlete for a kid that, at his size six five inches, three hundred and one pounds. Really good length and height for an offensive tackle. You know you maybe want him to be a little bit heavier, but he's only twenty one years old. He's a kid that came in as a tight end, as I'm sure you know. So he's been growing into that body, into that frame during his time in college. He's only twenty one, so I'm sure. In his first and second season in the NFL, he's going to be able to put on some more weight. He's got nice long arms, over 34 inches, which will help him keep, you know, defensive linemen away from his body as he engages on the line of scrimmage. And really, what sets him apart from some of the other tackle prospects is his, his excuse me, his athletic ability. Uh, he's very agile. He can move laterally, uh, which allows him to mirror pass rushers and pass protection, particularly guys who are very quick off the edge. And as we saw in the Super Bowl, guys like Von Miller, DeMarcus Ware, who make a living getting into the offensive backfield with their speed and athleticism, those are the type of guys that you would draft the Spriggs to ideally neutralize. Um, that athletic ability also allows them in the running game to get to the next level, you know, in terms of pulling and, and being able to get to linebackers, not just making an impact at the line of scrimmage, but potentially making an impact down the field. But ultimately it's his pass protection that is ahead of his run blocking and probably will be throughout most of his career. I believe he only allowed two sacks and 30, 13 pressures this past season as a senior, so he did a great job in a pass-heavy offense in terms of his pass protection. And, and I think that athletic ability is what's going to allow him to remain a tackle at the NFL level. Typically the, the offensive tackles at the college level that need to move inside in the NFL are guys that aren't athletic enough to match up with those elite athletes on the coming off the edge in terms of the pass rushers, I think he's able to do that in, in, even at the next level.
2: If you had to pick a, a current NFL uh, lineman who who he reminds you of, who would it be?
1: Um, I don't know. I, I really haven't thought about that to be honest. Um, uh, nobody's coming off the top of my head. Uh, I'm trying to think now. You know, m- maybe you know, m- maybe it's a little too easy for me and you because he's uh, a guy we've watched play on Sundays. Uh, like a DeBrickshaw-Ferguson type, in that he's got those goods to move laterally, not necessarily going to overpower people in the run game. He can he can move so he can get his body between the, the defender and the running back, but you, you wouldn't really consider him a mauler in the running game.
2: Right. And uh, moving on uh, to a major part of that Hoosier running game this past year, uh, Jordan Howard, Another guy who uh, came out early, along with uh, Darius Latham. Uh, Howard spent a year at IU. He transferred from UAB. Had a terrific season. Broke a thousand yards. Uh, one negative was uh, his durability. He was banged up. He missed. Uh, I think he played in only parts of nine games. He missed most of the Maryland game. He missed all of Penn State and Rutgers. Um, you know, what do you? What is the upside of, of Jordan Howard?
1: Well, he's definitely an interesting guy. I think, you know, unlike Latham, I don't think anybody's questioning Jordan Howard's decision to leave school early. I think, as you mentioned, uh, history, his injury history is the biggest obstacle he has coming into this process. So, you know, I believe he missed four full games, parts of three other games. That's a lot for one season. And while he was relatively healthy at UAB before he got to Indiana, he also had some injury issues dating back to high school. So... Out of the four guys, I would guess, you know, he's the guy that where the medical part of the combine is probably gonna be just as important as what he does in those time drills. You know, in terms of upside, I think what I like about Howard more than his upside, more than his ceiling is his floor. You know, I think he has a really high floor. He he's a big back, he's got, you know, prototypical, if not better than prototypical size. He's six one. You know, I see we'll see what what he weighs in this week, but I see most people have him between 225, 230 pounds. So we're talking about elite size for an NFL running back. Um, very when when he is healthy, he projects as a workhorse type of back. Uh, he had that monster game against Michigan, 238 yards on 35 carries, where he really showed he could be that type of workhorse uh, runner. Uh, he gets better as the games goes on when he gets a lot of carries. I believe he only, uh, you know, out of the 12 game season, regular season, he had six games with at least 20 carries. And in those games, he averaged 181 yards. So you can imagine the numbers he would have put up if he would have been able to stay healthy for a full season and been that kind of workhorse type of back. You know, the kid craves, craves contact. He's a physical runner. He's got the leg drive. He falls forward. He, he can create he can create yards after contact. And what you like about him, too, he's a very natural runner. He might not be the most physically athletic, you know, gifted guy. I don't think he's going to blow it up in terms of his 40-yard dash. In fact, you know, I'm pretty sure he's not. But he's a very good runner in terms of he's got excellent vision. He's decisive in that when he sees a hole, he hits it. He doesn't dance around too much. He seems to have a good feel as a natural runner. So that's something that a lot of NFL teams will like as he moves forward. You know, maybe he doesn't have the highest ceiling because he doesn't have that type of breakaway speed that, that a Tevin Coleman did, his predecessor at Indiana. So he's not really going to be a home run hitter. He's not really going to run away from people. He's not going to have a lot of necessarily electric plays at the next level, but I think he's going to be a very solid, consistent back who should be a starter, and he's probably going to be really good in those short yardage situations. He's going to be able to get teams those tough yards. I think the biggest question with him in terms of his ceiling and how good he could be and how productive he could be is what kind of impact can he make in the passing game. Um, he really wasn't involved that much in the passing offense either at Indiana or UAB. I think he only had 11 catches last season – that this doesn't necessarily mean that he can't do it he just really wasn't using that capacity while at indiana with the opportunities he's had to be in the passing game he seems to have decent hands and he's held up pretty well in pass protection so that's something that's a question mark that really isn't truly a negative it's just something that's more of an unknown uncertain thing and obviously in today's nfl with passing becoming more and more part of the offense if he proves to be a three-down back, as opposed to just a first and second-down type of back like a Chris Ivory, if he can, you know, stay on the field in passing situations and contribute as a as a receiver as well as a blocker, then that wow, that really elevates his ceiling significantly. Yeah,
2: he was he he was a big question mark coming in uh, into IU uh, last year, some conditioning issues, but he really burst on the scene. Um, and, and you're right when he when you say he falls forward, I think through the first three or four games, he did not have a negative run, um, or he only had one or two. And, and that's what's most impressive about him. And you could go back, and people like to compare him with Tevin. And, and I don't like the comparison just because they are two totally different backs, where Jordan Howard um, is, was not afraid of contact, would run through people um, and run over people. Uh, if you want to see a run, uh, there was one. I think it was a 35-yard touchdown run where Iowa, where he slowed up a little bit so he could let that defender um, get close enough to where he could bulldoze him into the end zone. And, and I think that's the toughness that um, and the mentality that that NFL coaches and, and teams would like. Uh, but you're right; he does not have that explosiveness that Tevin had. There were a couple runs this year where you know he would hit the hole right but it it wasn't like tevin where it was two two steps and he he was in the end zone before you knew it um so you know i, I like jordan howard as a back i thought it, it, his injuries make me worried if if i'm an nfl team um and, and all that stuff cuz there there are games where you know if he plays at, at penn state maybe iu plays a little bit better and, and stuff like that and there are questions about whether or not he was healthy enough to play in the bowl game and just sat out uh, for that reason. So I'm sure all those questions will be answered about him uh, on that. Uh, Dan, the next uh, yeah, the next so, prospect I, I, probably. Yeah, I, no, I just
1: wanted to add that, yeah, stylistically, he's, he's definitely a very different type of back than Tevin Coleman. So just because they both went to Indiana and because they both had very productive seasons in the same offense and behind similar offensive lines, Stylistically, they are pretty different, you know, type of runners. And I, I think, you know, the fact that he was able to make that transition so smoothly from a mid-major type of school like a UAB uh, to a Power 5 conference playing in the Big Ten, and he made that so smoothly. I think that only goes well for him moving forward. And I'd say he's probably a day-two pick, and I think, you know, how his team's, what he grades out medically is probably going to make a major impact. Whether that means he's going to be a second-round guy or a third-round guy,
2: right? And his his best performance and and the thing that jumped on, uh, had me jump on his bandwagon uh, was his performances against Iowa and Michigan, two very stout run defenses, yep. and he, he ran all over them. And that Michigan game uh, was very very impressive, and and you just wonder what kind of numbers he would have put up if he played in in all 13 games um but you know that's uh, that's a question that that people have to wonder all offseason uh dan next uh we'll move to the the highest profile um guy uh, that iu has at the combine uh maybe not the highest rated but uh you know you're from california you're a quarterback you led the big ten in passing uh, you, you broke all kinds of records in um, at IU. Uh, Nate Sudfeld, uh, it, I he he really impressed me this year. Uh, he had a, I had a lot of questions about him coming into this year. Uh, was that shoulder a hundred percent? And it looked like it was. Uh, could he perform consistently? Uh, that's been a problem of his in the past. Uh, where you know, I think Mike Mayock said on um, it wasn't the same. It was. Uh, the blue-gray game, you know, he's a wow-or-what player, uh, where he'll make a throw where make you say wow, and then the next throw he, he'd skip it to a running back and say, what was that? Um, so, you know, consistency with him is an issue for me, but he, he really impressed me with how he played in poor weather this year. Now, IU didn't play in, in terrible weather. Uh, they had the, a really bad rainstorm up at Michigan State, but uh, he threw the ball well in some windy conditions. And you saw at Yankee Stadium, he threw the ball well. Um, later in the game, he had to shake off some rust. Uh, Dan, where do you see Nate Sudfeld? Is he a guy who's, you know, if he gets drafted by by the, I don't want to say the wrong team, but if he gets drafted by a team who's got the, the ongoing quarterback carousel, or uh, is he a guy who might be out, out of the league in two or three years where if he does get into the right system, and and might be able to work well with the guy in front of him. It could be in the league for for a decade.
1: Yeah, I think he's an interesting guy, and and from in my opinion, I, I think he should be talented enough to stick around in the league more than two three years. You know, that, that's my projection for him. I mean, obviously, when you're talking about a guy such as Nate Sudfeld, who is at this point in his status kind of a borderline, is he going to get drafted? Is he not kind of player? You know, that's a big question mark to project forward, um, you know, how long that type of prospect is going to last in the league. But when I look at his size, six foot six inches, 234 pounds, and, you know, his arm strength, he seems to be able to make most of the, you know, NFL throws. Now, you know, he doesn't have the best arm in this class, but, you know, that's why he's not going in the first or second round. But he definitely has a, an NFL caliber arm. I think those two qualities should, you know, have him at a place where he's good enough to stick around. And the question is, you know, how does he develop? I think that in terms of him sticking around longer than a year, you know, a year or two or two or three years, does he have a, a standing NFL career? It's going to really come down to how does he develop once he gets to the next level? Because, you know, I'm, you know, in lock and step with yourself and Mike Mayock and he clearly is a guy that you'll watch one player or one quarter or one game and think, wow, this guy looks like he might be an NFL starter then you'll watch another play, another quarter, another game, and think, man, I would not waste a draft pick on this kid. So he's that far apart in terms of his consistency. Can he become more consistent as he works with an NFL team? Clearly, he's going to be a guy that is going to, if he gets drafted, it'll be a late draft pick guy. Most likely this season, he'll be a third string quarterback, maybe a practice squad quarterback. So he'll have the opportunity to develop at his own rate where he can, he, he won't necessarily need to focus on the team and winning games. He can really focus on honing his own skills. And I think some of the stuff is correctable. You know, some of the stuff is mechanical with him that a lot of the scouts talk about, you know, his his elongated uh, release and his footwork and things of that nature. So if he can correct those things, I think he has a chance to have a, a longer career than some might project at this point. Um, one cause of concern is that, you know, you don't see too many guys improve their accuracy that much from college to the NFL. Now, thanks while he is inconsistent at times and he'll have throws stale on him, it's not a major issue. He's not at you know Christian Hackenberg level in terms of his uh, completion percentage. He's a little better than that. He's not really where you want it to be, particularly in an offense like Indiana's. But, you know, you know I think he's got a chance. He's a guy that, to me, has too much physical ability in terms of his size um, and arm strength not to have a team think that he might be worth a 6th or 7th round pick.
2: Now Dan, he he only played in 38 games, I believe in college. Uh and as as far as a starting quarterback goes for four he he had been playing since a freshman and that's not a heck of a lot of football for a, for a younger guy. Um normally you know a, a lot of it got thrown into uh yeah, throw. In, he got thrown into the fire when when Trey Robertson broke his leg in 2012. You know, he played in seven games that year. Twelve games. Uh, he played the entire season in in 2013. Uh, he got hurt in 2014 and played. You know, at 12 out of the 13 games in that year. The, the scouts and, and GMs look at it and go. This guy is is a because Kevin Wilson said it a lot last year. This guy he's a senior but he hasn't played a lot of football yet. And is that something you take in, into consideration when you are looking to draft a guy, a quarterback in these later rounds saying, hey, you know, he's only played, you know, he's missed a lot of games um, half the season. He played some of the years, but he hasn't played a lot of football. And there's, is, Does that give you a little bit more hope for room for improvement?
1: Um, I I think that is something that that scouts do look at and NFL teams look at, and and most of it, it will be from a negative perspective. To be honest, it's not really something that teams look at and say, hey, he's still raw, Uh, he's got room to develop. It's more like, hey, he missed an opportunity to develop because those are reps and, and game situations that you can never get back in terms of a prospect and starting from day one. I think you never want to start from behind as other prospects. Now, having said that, while he has missed time and, and he doesn't have the full lot of experience, um, you know, I still think he has a decent amount of experience um, in terms of being a college guy coming into the NFL. I mean, you look at some of the other guys in his class, you know, maybe he doesn't have as many um, starts under his belt as a as a Kevin Hogan or Connor Cook, but you know, other guys that are higher rated in this class, like a Goff or a Lynch, they're junior, so they didn't even play their senior years. You know, Christian Hackenberg, Cardell Jones are two more guys who are are underclassmen who gave up a season. Um, So I I think he's up there in terms of um, having his reps and having some experience. He's got as much or at least as much or maybe more so than some of the other guys in this class. You know, I think when you talk about, Missing time and not having enough playing time, I think that would apply a lot more to somebody like a Cardale Jones than than a Sutfeld. You know, I think he's shown us enough and he's gotten some reps. Ideally, hey, the more reps, the better at the quarterback position, more so than any other spot, obviously. But I, I wouldn't hold it too much against them.
2: Right, it, it's you know he he's got a, a big arm, and his consistency is the biggest issue. Uh, Dan, this is. In Kevin Wilson's time, I think they've, Indiana's had. A, a, you could see the culture change, the amount of prospects heading into the the NFL draft, uh, players drafted, players invited to the combine. Is it, is that something that uh, you know draft prognosticators and, and NFL people uh, and college football fans can, can see? I, I know you're you're in New York, kind of removed from real Big Ten territory. I know Rutgers is there, but you know, real Big Ten territory. <laughs> that that you see uh, a program culture change with, with Indiana?
1: Uh a little bit, you know, a little bit. I think you're seeing some more of that elite talent uh at the top level. Maybe they don't they don't have the depth at some of the, the better programs in the conference, but you are seeing some of that top talent kind of emerge and and you know, you had Coleman in last year's draft, you had uh, a the uh, previous year, the wide receiver drafted by the Broncos. This year, you're looking at two more guys and Spriggs and Howard, who could be, you know, day two, potentially a first-round pick for Spriggs. you got, you know, uh, Feeney, the offensive lineman, coming back next year who projects to be a potential high pick. So I think once you see a program start to produce these guys, these second, third-round type of players uh, on, a, on a more consistent basis, yeah, for sure. It definitely starts elevating that program and their perception nationally, both as a college team and both from an NFL perspective in terms of producing talent. And I think those things, to some extent, while they don't necessarily translate 100%. I think obviously, the more NFL talent you're producing, the more likely you are to have a good, you know, college team. is It's not surprising that, you know, Ohio State, while they didn't win the Big Ten, you know, they went what 12 and one this year, including an impressive bowl win. Over Notre Dame, that that they're going to be again producing the most NFL talent out of the conference.
2: Yeah, and uh, Dan, I, I want to thank you for joining me. Um, talk a little bit of football. It's it's always a pleasure uh, talking, uh, whether it be Big Ten football or or the Jets with you. Um, actually, any sport. Um, but anyway, thanks for jumping on. Tell us uh, where we can read your stuff. Uh, follow your your NFL draft stuff. Uh, tell us a little bit about that.
1: Yeah, for sure. Um, uh, most of my columns, and I posted one earlier today on Briggs uh, the Offensive Tackle out of Indiana, uh, kind of projecting some of the stuff that we talked about and some other things as well, and how, how this week is a big week for him. You can read that on allmediany.com, and I'm also an editor for NFL Draft, People should check that out. And, uh, you know, my man Rick Saratello, the president and founder of NFL Draft Bible, he's actually uh, landed in Indian, in Indianapolis uh, today, and so he's going to be there uh, covering uh, the NFL Draft, and and he'll be uh, you know covering that, getting columns up, and you can follow him on Twitter at NFL Draft Bible on Twitter, and I am uh, Sportsmaster Dan on Twitter, so follow us there, and you can get all the information in terms of uh, the NFL Draft, both from an Indiana perspective and just an all-around general uh, NFL draft perspective.
2: All right. Well, thanks, Dan. Excellent stuff as usual. Uh, Hopefully we'll get you on here uh, again shortly. Um, Enjoy the rest of your day and uh, have a good one.
1: Yeah, you too, Sammy. I'm looking forward to it. I know it's a big week for Indiana. We'll see how these four guys perform in Indy. They kind of have the
2: home field advantage a little bit, right? Yeah, we'll see. It it would be nice to have, uh, you know, Spriggs go in the first round. Uh, if all four of these guys get drafted, I really think it'd be it'd be awesome for the program. Uh, maybe even uh, get one of these guys on on the hometown Colts and, and drum up a little uh, a little bit more uh, local support for uh, the IU football team. So, Dan, thanks, and um, hopefully, uh, you know our our NFL team uh, does does well in the draft, and, and we're playing well into January next year.
1: That would be nice. That would be nice.
2: All right. Have a good one. You too, Sammy. All right. That was Dan Moglione from allmediany.com uh, and nfldraftbible.com. Uh, great stuff as usual. Um, he he posted a great piece on, on Jason Spriggs. We put it out on our Twitter as well. Uh, we have started our uh, spring preview. Spring practice uh, does start March 5th uh they have come out and announced it uh there is an open practice on Sunday March 6th open to the public uh, i believe that starts uh sometime in the afternoon uh before the uh the home finale against Maryland uh for IU basketball uh so they'll get some practices in before spring break they'll come back rumor is is that uh the spring game is going to be Friday April 15th tax day Uh, it's the Friday of little 500, uh, what time it would be. I would uh, suspect it would be in the evening, uh, after the women's race. Um, so, you know, that they plan it up well, like that, uh, details will come out, uh, when we get them. I believe that was announced at the basketball game on, uh, Saturday, um, or not Saturday, uh, the other night against Purdue, uh, Guess that was Saturday, uh, but anyway, we do have our spring previews up uh, today. Was tight ends? Uh, do give that a check out. Uh, text us uh, or uh, tweet us. Comments? Any questions? Uh, we'll probably get on and do another periscope here uh, shortly. Um, but don't hesitate to reach out to us. Comment, email, uh, tweet, uh, and, and we'll be happy to uh, answer your questions. We're also going to be starting our. Uh, Get to know your redshirt freshman uh, series. Uh, We start with Austin Doris tomorrow, tight end. Uh, These are guys who redshirted last year who IU fans might have buried in the back of their mind a little bit. We want to reintroduce you to them. Uh, A lot has gone on since people have seen them uh, on the field, uh, in practice, or uh, their name on player of the week on scout team. So keep an eye out for that. Uh, Follow us on Twitter. It's at Hoosier underscore huddle. Uh, You can like us on Facebook as well. Uh, Just keep coming back. We'll have plenty of content for you. The off season is rolling nicely. We're under 200 days until kickoff uh, at FIU on that first Thursday night of college football on September 1st. So enjoy the, uh, the rest of the afternoon. Hopefully, uh, you guys are not stuck in traffic on the way home. Uh, be careful on Thursday, uh with the weather and we'll be in Bloomington on Wednesday morning. There is an open uh workout, so uh, we'll check that out, bring you updates from there, see how Coach Caton is doing uh with the winter workouts and um and get a get a tone of, of uh of this team ready to start spring. So uh off season's going quickly, uh some big recruiting news as well, uh with four star Lynn Bowden. Um as well. So keep coming back and uh, we'll talk to you later.
3: So I'm going to tell it. Broomgate. How a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word. Broomgate. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time.
1: Crow portrays an ex-homicide detective, unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash wondery.
0: Hear that? That's the sound of change being cooked up in our schools. Each day, school food professionals throughout California are working to make better meals for our kids, one tray at a time. These meal planning, sauce stirring, taste bud training professionals are making food for students from kindergarten to high school using fresher ingredients and flavors kids love. The secret ingredient to better school food in California? The dedicated professionals are improving it every day. Learn more about how they're cooking up change at schoolfoodpros.org. Grant provided by California Community College's Chancellor's
2: Office.